what's up everybody so last week we had raj kateja yeah so the thing is i made raj kateja at a workshop on personal branding i attended that workshop and it was run by somebody named sana azam who's the head of uh, mina speakers mina speakers is her company it's her quote unquote baby as she calls it uh, sana azam is fantastic uh, very accomplished and uh, she has this uh, passion for public speaking right so what it is is she has a roster of uh, big name speakers from all over the world on various topics that matter to uh, anybody who's dealing with industry business technology media etc etc so um mina speakers offers the service of booking them for corporate functions and at the same time she uh, provides workshops for people to just attend to some of its ticketed some of its not and i think she might be expanding into like um, offering courses on developing skill sets because i had, i attended a sales workshop uh, where the speaker was alan o'neil and at, that's what you're going to hear right now i'm speaking to alan o'neil and i'm speaking to sana azam please check out sana azam um, on linkedin s w a n a a z a m and also please check out minaspeakers.com that's m e n a dash speakers.com and check them out on facebook as well if you're the type that wants to grow your mind keep an eye out on what they're doing cuz uh this is cutting edge information recently they had something on artificial intelligence i i couldn't attend that but that's the type of thing that we need to be sort of in on you know so check it out dukan show Neighborhood banter. Pull up a seat and pass the time. <laughs> the Dukan, hosted by Ot, Toothless, and Ishad. My name is Sana Sam, and you're listening to the Dukan Show. <laughs> Come on, bring it. So the thing is I read your LinkedIn and it says you became female economist of the year. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. So in 2010 I was awarded a prize called as you mentioned female economist of the year and it's from Stockholm School of Economics mixed with Swedish and American business life. So we go some, through some rigorous uh, trials based on our academics but also personality and also um experience and then they choose a female economist that wins. The What did you have to do to Win it like what did you Well, first it was to get the masters in economics. That's okay. one and then it was based on my academics, so the research th- thesis that I had out. And then we also did other tests and one of them was doing a social intelligence test. So I was put into a room filled with 50 CEOs from Swedish American business life. And so they were interviewing me informally just seeing if I have the EQ in place. So it's based on several parameters. What's EQ? Emotional emotional quotient. So wow. it's your social skills essentially. So they were testing you on IQ, your grades, your EQ, your experience, your ambition. It's a very rigorous process, but I went in 2010 and that really put me on a map as a speaker, um as an ambassador for economics as well. So I spent that year touring northern Europe talking about leadership, talking about economics, talking about generational differences. Yeah, there was something about uh, generation Y. What what's that about? First of all, I'm a bit confused because I, I there's Gen X, then there's the millennials, 
Then there's Gen which one? Wait, which so millennials and Gen Y, we're talking about the same group. There. They're the same group. Okay, yeah. fine, fine. And then we talk about Generation Z, who are the groups after us. So Gen Z is which year onwards? They they've gotten older now, so we're talking around they're around their twenties right now, early twenties. Right, so they're in the thick of it, like with all the changes. Yeah, like, exactly. So what, what did you talk talk about in specifics with the leadership? Right. How do you lead Gen Y? That's the million dollar question. Because you have the baby boomers who are, well, they would be around 50 and above at this moment, leading yes. people that are Gen Y and Gen Z. And then there's such a big discrepancy in how to lead these people. Generation Y, for example, they see their careers as two to three year chapters before they move on to the next job. Yeah. They are moving from one job to another. They might have three careers by the time they're 30. So they'll start in banking, move on to you know, something else, and then a third option. And so we're very... Um, how should I express it? We move from one job to another quite quickly. Okay. And we don't see our careers as something that we stay at for 20, 30, 40 years like they did back in the days. Yeah. And leading an organization with a lot of Gen Y is very challenging if you're a baby boomer. So you need to adapt. You need to adapt to the new reality of how we interact with the internet, how we interact and view our careers. And the fact that we aren't necessarily loyal to a company. It's a loyalty issue, right? Because before everybody was just loyal, like be thankful you have a job with this company. That was, it was kind of how it was, right? Exactly. And especially if you're a talent, that's not necessarily going to be the case. We don't care about having a roof over our head. That's not the most important thing. Right. What's most important is self-fulfillment and really becoming the best that we can be. And I described us as a generation that was both Mother Teresa and Gordon Gecko. Wow, <laughs> yeah. okay, right, 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 right. So we want to be altruistic and save the world and post on Facebook that we've done charity. But make a profit while doing it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so you win banking and you did the monsters thing. Uh, then you were a public speaker for a long time. Mm-hmm. And this was all in Sweden. This was mixed. So it was in Northern Europe. I was touring Europe, Denmark, uh, Finland. Norway, Wales, London, I was all over. And then when I came here... Why did you come here? Really, I was looking for the sun. That's the short answer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, and there was a nice opportunity here within the gold industry. Um, so I signed up to that. And then again, I was on stage talking about gold and talking about economics and talking about the macro and what's happening. Oh, okay. So being on stage is kind of come second nature to me since 2010 and, and educating and empowering people in the best possible way that I can. So then um, you made the switch to do the Mina Speakers. It's, a, it's your company, right? It's absolutely my baby. And yes. you, 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 you stopped the gold thing. You said, okay, I'm going to do a public speaking full-time. This, this seems to be my passion. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I worked for the gold company three years ago. I spent one year with them, and then I got headhunted into a Danish bank. Wow, okay. So I worked for this Danish bank for two and a half years. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What are my values? And when I looked at what my values and who I am as a person, then I realized that what really makes me passionate is about educating and helping and enabling people. And so I went back to the drawing board and said, how can I best do that? And one of the things that came up to mind was setting up a speaker bureau with these very intellectual and powerful minds and spreading the messages that they have. And fundamentally, all I want to do is educate, engage, and empower people. That's it. And the, the, these public speakers, you had met them along your own kind of tour route type of thing, right? You just met them along the way and stuff. How was the transition from working for a company into you starting your own company? What's that like? The transition? You know, I've always worked hard, but I didn't realize that being an entrepreneur would mean 
that much more work. Right. It is a 24-7 uh, job, but it's also something I'm incredibly passionate about. So it doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like I'm doing what's second nature to me. Okay. Um, so the transition has been beautiful. I'm surrounded by such great minds and I'm meeting and interacting with really curious and intellectual people who come and attend our workshops and are curious to learn and solve the problems that they have within their businesses and their careers as well. And it's a very grateful and humbling experience that I've done this. How long How long has it been active, Mina Speakers? Four months. Yeah, right. It's new because I haven't heard of it before and I was like, wow, this is some new, something new, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like a TEDx kind of situation, isn't it? It's, it's, it's completely different. It's more training and workshop related, right? Exactly. So I have a roster of around 70 speakers and counting that go out and provide corporate trainings on soft skills such as sales negotiation and more and then I send them out also on, um, to conferences where we have moderators and keynote speakers but it's also become something where we do one-to-one and CEO trainings. Wow, oh, yeah. wow that's crazy. Yeah, so I've been approached by some very interesting personalities. They're saying, I'm meeting my board, I have this critical message to convey, we're making a loss, how can I, for example, convey this message in a tactful manner? Or somebody who says, I have this huge presentation and I'm a bit shy on stage, I don't know how to deal with this. So that's where we go to the one-to-one training, create some more bespoke material. Okay. What's been the challenges then since you started? If it's four months old, you're just, I mean, you have a world of experience as a public speaker on your own. You have the connections, da, da, da. you set this up now. Uh-huh. What's, the, what's the challenge? Like if, if somebody could help you solve a yeah. couple of challenges, what would, what, what would that be? I think the opportunity, rather, is because I see opportunities as opposed to challenges, is that educating the market, because a lot of people are investing their time standing on stage and doing their very best to, to engage their audience. And so it's telling the market that these people are, are doing a really good job and they should be rewarded for it. Oh. Yes, yeah, so what we've noticed on the market, for example, when I, when in meetings, is that people expect speakers to go up and do it for free. Yeah, sure, you can have people doing it for free, but will it be the best speaker? Will it really be the people that are adding most value to your audience? Yeah. Not necessarily. And those guys, their time is worth money, the top-level guys, right? Exactly. It doesn't even need to be top-level because my roster is anything from um, relatively young talents who have an incredible message to convey to very senior. One of my speakers is His Excellency Thabo Mbeki from yeah, South I Africa. Saw that, I saw that, yeah. So it's, it's really a range of people, but saying that time is valuable and that you should invest in the speakers that you have on stage and invest in your audience that's coming to attend these sort of conferences, for example. So this is my big challenge, to educate the market to say, this is a service these, these people are providing. Pay for them. Maybe it's like an issue of like people aren't seeing the value of the human being. And you get what I'm trying to say, like, this person is unique, they have unique insights, pay them for that because they deserve it kind of thing, right? Exactly, and it's also appreciating the value of the attendees and the fact that they're making time out of their busy schedules to sit at a conference or, or at a workshop or wherever it may be and saying, you know what, you've invested in us, we're going to invest in you and have the best people possible on stage educating you and not any Tom, Dick and Harry can, can get a voice just because they've raised their hand to say that they can speak. Mm. Um, okay, so um, I've attended two now of these. Yeah, well done. Uh, yeah, really, <laughs> uh, I like both. Even this was this was crazy. Was, I, I didn't expect it because I'm, I'm I thought it'd be very corporate center and I wouldn't like uh, mm-hmm. relate to it. But you can relate to it. Sales is sales, right? Absolutely. Um, are you gonna just do topics that are for corporates, or, or would you be like interested in expanding it into other things? 
The way we've done is these workshops are held for individuals that want to invest in their personal development. Okay. And they've been industry agnostic, so we're looking at the specific soft skills. So we had branding and marketing. Uh, now we we're looking at sales and customer service before we were talking about crowdfunding, okay. um, negotiation skills, presentation skills. These are not something that are specific for corporations. It applies to everyone, really. If you want to have a career, if you want to be a business person, then you should be working on development. One of my work first workshops was talking about, are you trying too hard to succeed? And mm. he introduced the topic of peak performance and saying, when you're in a peak performance state, you need to invest in three things. One is, of course, performing and doing the job. But the other one is well-being and taking care of yourself and investing in, your, in yourself and your family. And the third one is development. You need to be constantly learning and staying on top of things and ahead of technology, ahead of skills, ahead of everything that's out there. So keep on investing in yourself to make sure that you are peak performing and that you are constantly growing. Mm -hmm. And your, your hope is to facilitate that. Absolutely. I think it's a good time as well because like Dubai is really pushing the entrepreneurship thing as well, right? Yeah. And I think it's an interesting time as well because the market is looking the way it's looking. We have GDP deficits across the board here. And so a lot of people are taking more of a defensive mood saying, oh, let's keep low, let's keep our costs low. On the contrary, this is the time to invest. This is the time to get market share and really position yourself as a leader as opposed to taking a defensive mood. Move. Can you explain that more? Why? Why do you, why do you take a more offensive mood then? The rationale and the sentiment, if you talk to, to people in the market right now, is, oh, uh, oil prices are down yeah. and, you know, we're cutting on our marketing budgets and let's, let's uh, wait this out, let's wait, wait this wave out. On the contrary, if, you, if this is the sentiment, if you want to be a, a market leader or a person who takes market share, invest in the market, invest in your employees, stay ahead of the game, because once we're out of this cycle, then everyone else is going to be starting to play catch-up. No, on the contrary. Take your market share now when everyone else is being defensive. And they're moving away, yeah. Exactly. Wow, okay. Um, I also read that you incorporate NLP into your public speaking. How do you do that? Yes. So NLP stands for neurolinguistic programming and it's, it's coaching. Um, we live all with these different things called limiting beliefs, beliefs that hold us back. Some people go around thinking that Yes, uh, I have to work really, really hard to succeed and um, I have to... Sacrifice this, this, that, and da, da, da. Exactly. And that's not necessarily the case. There are these different limiting beliefs that hold us back. And I work on these limiting beliefs so we get rid of them and we instill new values and new thought process for you to really achieve your peak performance. To give you an example, I'm bad at public speaking. Somebody, I meet people who say that. Yeah. And I'm saying, well, how do you know that? And then we work with certain techniques to make sure that we remove this fear and this limiting belief. And then we start building on with using practical tools. So that's how I incorporate public speaking with NLP. Oh, you're trying to train people to be better public speakers through using NLP. For example. For example. Okay, okay. Um, did you, what led you to start learning NLP? Is it just for, the, for your own uh, public speaking skills? Or what, like, how did you get the... Um, I did it out of curiosity because, as mentioned, development is crucial for growth. But I realized that there are some very powerful techniques out there in order for you to kind of conquer your fears and make sure that you're constantly in a growing state of mind. Because if you're not growing and the market is growing and you have inflation on top of it, then by definition you're stagnating. So That's you need true. to stay ahead of the game. Uh, give me an example of a personal limiting belief if that's not too kind of... No, that's super. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
okay, wait. Okay, then we got to figure okay, like show me an example of something then. Mm. Of a limiting belief? Yeah, or like something like how would you Okay. Um I can't be a market leader. I can't close this client. I I can't uh yeah, I can't acquire this, you know, the biggest client on the market. Um these are limiting beliefs because you don't sit on all the facts. You don't know absolutely everything in order to for you to live with these rules. These are self-made rules. Of course you can become a market leader. Of course you can become a super salesperson. Of course you can become a perfect fantastic public speaker. But we create these rules within ourselves based on actually a limited set of information. We really need to dissect because we don't have complete information about everything and so we can't accept rules that we create and impose on ourselves that hold us back. So the key to breaking through beliefs is information it seems like you got to actually to really know what's what's uh, something you made up in your mind versus something that is actually true you got to have more information and you got to be around people who know the truth as Absolutely. opposed to it's like if i ask you the question do you think you can become the new Kanye West mm. do you uh i'll be better than Kanye <laughs> <laughs> but only me and you would know <laughs> uh okay we're kind of cuz i know you're busy like Now let's just take it up like the whole world, right? We're talking about limiting beliefs. The whole world. If there was a limiting belief that you'd see that's everywhere, mm-hmm. what would that be, and what would you advise people to do to get over that? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a great like, question. Don't, don't, don't get stuck in just no, no, market I, stuff. Just I see where you're around. heading with this. I think uh, there cannot be peace on earth. That's a limiting belief. believing okay. that, that we always have to live with wars and and troubles around us no i think we can absolutely you know, to the best of our capacity achieve that if everyone comes with this mindset and to improve things within their proximity if we all do it collectively then of course we can create a a better living in sense <laughs> it's a bit kumbaya isn't no, it no no that's that's what it is because it's, it's a personal thing because right? okay i can't be a market leader is one thing but then as a human being what's that I'm I'm really interested in what the personal limiting beliefs of people are. For example, like the Israel-Palestine conflict can't be resolved. I do truly believe it can be resolved. I do truly believe that we can we can approach problems differently. And I also think that we can't accept having conflict for 50, 60 years. Yeah. If we all work proactively to improve the state of the world, then trust that the world is going to become better. You got to just be sure that that's I do you really want the peace. If then it's clear that this is what XYZ is what you have to do to get the peace. But if you don't want the peace, then you're not going to do XYZ, right? Kind of thing, right? Because yeah. a lot of people they talk about peace in their speeches, but the answers are seem quite straightforward, but they don't actually do the thing, right? Yeah, I mean, if we all uh, try with one little tablespoon to quench a fire that's burning out there, then trust that the fire will be extinguished at some point, and that's all we need to do. Just something as small as that. Small as that. Speaking of which, you order of the teaspoon or something. Yes. What is that? What is that? <laughs> yes, that's true. That was um, I was sitting on a board in Sweden called the Order of the Teaspoon, and we were working for again improving the state of the world, and so we were investing in in different kind of micro initiatives, social entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurs that were doing stuff to to improve the state of the world. So one example was. This guy who was uh, engaging rabbis, priests, and and imams to play football wow. <laughs> as a way to promote tolerance 
I thought that was a beautiful example of, of the small things we can do to improve the state You're of the world. You're still part of that? Or? No, that was back in Sweden, so I left. It's still there? It's, it's still, still there. That's cool, man. Uh, Sana, thank you so much thank for your you time. So much. Thank you for having me. Thank it's you. been amazing. I hope to come for more of these because these are really like expanding. You're know? most welcome. Alan O'Neill. My business is change management. Okay. And what I do is I support organizations across industry, from B2B, B2C, in helping them transition through change. Okay, Alan, nice to meet you. Thanks for the, work, the workshop. It was very informative. Was you pleasure. know, when somebody speaks about a subject that I usually would say it is dry, oh. but you make it, no, you make it sound interesting because it's, um, I like macro ideas as, as opposed to details. So you, you, the macro way you explain it is very nice. It's very informative. Okay, well, it puts it in context, doesn't it? puts it in context, yes. and then immediately, if you're paying attention, you start applying it to every, uh, things in your daily life, you know? Sure. So me, personally, I'm a musician, so I was constantly trying to apply it to, like, this product of music, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and I'm a musician, too. I play guitar. No way. I sure oh, do. Oh, really? That's <laughs> nice. So you, you probably understand, or, like, the difficulty that musicians face, because at one point, what was actually selling was the vinyl or the CD, right? Yes, I so have a few of them. And I got a turntable recently. Brilliant. I did, yeah. Really? And the authenticity of the crackle. It is oh, yeah, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Okay, so say, like, me as a human being, what if the thing that I'm asked to change to do in terms of behavior, I disagree with it because I might see that it has uh, negative impacts on behavior. Like, for example, uh, we're in a world now where there's a lot of um, selfies, and that type of behavior mm-hmm. where it's more me-centered, I-centered, mm-hmm. and then they eat a bit of, yeah, narcissism. And if I'm a, a bit aware of that and self-conscious about that, I'd be like, I want to stay away from Good that thing. guy like you. You should be posting yourself as a No, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. But as if I was a business, then it would be important that I apply a bit of that narcissism to my business because this is how I'm going to succeed, right? Absolutely. And in this social media world we're living in, if you're not in there taking your organizational selfies, whatever that means, right, whatever. You, you will get left behind because it is about noise now. And we become, the, the platforms are there to create so much noise that if you are not noisy in the right way, relevant to your brand, you will become less relevant and okay. significant. Now, you were talking about in a world where there's so many products and everybody's competing in terms of low cost, etc. Now, in a world of noise, yeah. everybody's making noise. Yeah. Can you apply what you've termed as uh, premium is the new black? Can you apply that to noise? I think so, because, for example, if all you're doing is posting messages just for the sake of it to get quantity out on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram, that is less valuable than relevant noise. So relevant noise, whether it be, I mean, Facebook will do this for you where you can focus and target particular sectors. Or even, I mean, first of all, I'm not a believer in Twitter. I just don't see the value in it whatsoever. Well, but Facebook, okay. I do see it has relevance. Okay. Because it is used as a marketing machine to target certain audiences. And I think that's where relevance... You can be relevant in a noisy environment by focusing your message on the one hand and indeed your target audience. So you would apply the three Ps to the messaging as well? Product. The product. three Ps that we talked about tonight are product, people and place. Yes. The analogy I give is a three-legged stool. Yes. And I believe customers in any industry, in any business are being influenced by the interaction that you as a business service provider have with your customer through the three Ps, product, people, and place. Let me tell you, they work every single time, in every industry. Even to pieces of information. Absolutely. I mean, I am chairman of a charity back in my home country. Okay. It's a children's charity, and we are constantly looking for funds, and Mm. we are absolutely 
do that through the three P's, the product, the people, and the place. You're applying it to the, the messages you send to the Completely. people? Okay. Well, the messages, yes. Like, for example, if we have a message we're looking for funding, well, what's the product that we're selling? We're selling empathy for children. Okay. So we're selling, we're asking, we're trying to appeal to the good nature of the subscribers, of the donors, to recognize that we're helping children here. That's the product. Okay. The people piece is the voice, the tone of voice we're using, which is friendly, it's not pushy, it's not hard sell, it's empathic. And even the voice, we will do that in a way that's professional. And the place is the distribution channel for getting that message out there. So social media, text messaging, advertising, um, emails... It's a combination. Okay. So yes, the, here there's an example of the three P's working in that particular environment where there's no product. The product is a psychological one. Okay, uh, when we were in the workshop, I was trying to uh, tie in what you were saying with music. And then um, you were saying that since premium is the new black, um, I immediately thought of Tidal. Tidal is a streaming service like Spotify, whereas Tidal, the premium idea, they, they charge more for a higher quality uh, piece of uh, music, like a WAV file, as opposed to an MP3. It's, it's coded differently, better sound quality, right? My understanding is that Tidal is suffering and failing when competing with other people. So what, what do you think is happening in that sort of situation? Is the consumer not understanding the benefits? Because it seems quite clear. Or is it not the it's, right benefit? Well, the thing is, does it matter? Does the difference in the quality between a WAV file and an, an MP4, is it? MP3, WAV file and MP3. Okay, is the difference justified the, to, to justify the higher cost? I don't know. And that's the challenge. That First of all, does it matter that much? Is there a tangible difference between the two sounds? If there is, well then the opportunity or the challenge that Tidal faces in ensuring that people can see the benefit of that. But if the market is, if, if it's not that, I mean, for example, if you're talking about a tape cassette or a yeah. vinyl That's low versus, file. Yeah. versus wave file, well, it's obvious the difference is tangible mm. and the extra cost. But if you're talking about the difference between Spotify and Tidal, where it's an MP3 versus a wave file, I personally wouldn't appreciate the difference. Right. But maybe if you sat with me and you put on the headphones and you explain to me that Alan can you hear here's the yeah. MP3, now listen to the difference here. But that's kind of a slow process. And maybe it's a case where it's a bit like VHS and Betamax in the video world years mm. ago. Mm. Betamax had their ass kicked by VHS. Mm. Even though it might have been better, but it actually wasn't of value enough to make it last. So it wasn't of value enough. Or so they didn't identify the type of person who would see that there is well, one. Exactly. So maybe maybe Tidal does have a market, but it's for the officiant so it's a niche, niche yeah. market and for the guy who genuinely appreciates the sound, the quality of sound. And that's the guy years ago in the early days would have bought several decks yeah, yeah, with yeah. sound mixers and all that, which are all gone now. Look at my living room, I've exactly. got 15 speakers. Yeah. Yeah. So that guy, the, the real fan of the quality sound and knew how to mix sound and separate sound, he's the candidate for a title, I would suspect. But maybe it's not mass market. And I don't, I know, the first I heard a title is tonight. And yeah. I wish them all the very, very best. Yeah. So I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm simply saying that in any situation where you're trying to sell a higher price product, you've got to be able to justify the higher cost. Not just because it's from a different country or whatever. The value, the benefit to the customer has got to be obvious. Okay, last thing. Um, I kind of also found a link in, um, because most countries in the world are moving into sustainability. Uh, they need to put out products in the market that um, are more sustainable. 
yeah. whatever that means, broad concept. Um, in the workshop, I sort of brought up about this brought up this idea of um, a meat eater versus a vegan, because apparently the the meat industry is very um, bad for the environment, like in terms of the way the meat's produced. And mm-hmm. so, a vegan option seems to be like, okay, that's better for the environment. But then you'd have the issue of converting a meat eater from to a vegan eater. Can you apply sales techniques or the, the principle that the, the techniques you've talked talked about to convert people and make a lifestyle choice? I think you can, but it's slower. And here's the thing: in my country, I'm from Ireland, and like many other countries, there is a speeding um, ceiling, so you shouldn't go past a certain speed. So they, the Road Safety Authority, put out lots of ads to appeal to our better judgment to slow down. Yeah. And that catches most of us. Yeah. But there are still some guys out there who still put the foot down and go and break the limit. Yeah. But there's a belt and braces approach. They have the ads to appeal to your better judgment, but they also have a yellow, a blue flashing light point system to catch you if you don't. So there's law, policy, public policy has to be... Consequences. consequences. There are consequences. Now, how do you do that with meat eater versus vegan? Well, you can't issue a law to say you cannot eat meat yeah, anymore. That's a bit weird. But perhaps there can be things around the doctor. I mean, for example, I personally went for a blood test voluntarily before Christmas time, okay. just to check it in my health. Yeah. It, to just, it was a month with a lot of campaigns about it, so I went to the doctor and had my blood tested. And I discovered, well, they, they discovered that my cholesterol is higher than it should be. Not in trouble, but it's a bit high. So he scared me. So this is the this is like the blue flashing lights of the police car or the point system. I got a there's a consequence from my particular diet, the way I was living. So I've now changed it. So even though the appeal was there, Alan, would you stop eating dairy products or red meat or whatever? It wasn't enough for me. I needed the warning as well. And I'm afraid there's a bit of that coming on here, that the consequences have got to be evident as well as the selling. Selling the benefits is great. And in a commercial environment, it will usually work. But when you're trying to appeal to a mass movement around the globe, such as something like a value called sustainability, it's going to be a tough one until the consequences are coming to somebody's face. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Keep alive with your mind. Somebody's gotta be on time And that's the way it goes Oh yeah Come on Time to set this party off Baby, pull down the shades You're gonna be like that for days For a private dance tonight I wanna take you down the Harley Street tonight Don't shoot, 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 sh
conversation with the guys at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Dukancho. Subscribe to the show on your iTunes and Stitcher to stay up to date. And if you like what you hear, give it a rating. Dukam is hosted by OT, Dershad, and Toothless. You can also reach them on their personal social media profiles at OT Official and at Dershad underscore INI. And you can also reach Toothless at soundcloud.com slash firas dash Ibrahim. Salam.
What do you want from me? Yo, I came out of interference. Great advice for this disappearance. Same side keys for your parent, cause I'm captain the glitches for your current. I came out of paper friction in the same hand of its own addiction. So much contradiction, not much intuition. I'm out of divide and conquer. Somewhere where right is wrong and somewhere where wrong is on it. I'm right there beneath the dawn. I emerge from between the cracks and the dead leaves falling out of concrete trees. Backstreet scenes of seen fiending apes swinging, seeking hopes and mopates. I rotate and locate my own state in my own place, float to my own space. Spark out of contact, glitches, bare knuckles in combat. Came out of breakups, two lovers never gonna make up. When you gonna wake up? It's been days since you washed your face from the makeup. I mutate the faster emotions. Attitude trying to get this closure. Most stress and sex and emotion investment invest in excess with the small stuff. I'm a scientist, get a human activist. You made me stand for this. You made me stand for this.